It was a spacious office, but austerely furnished. A tallow window reflected green larches and a sun-spattered waterfall somewhere on the other side of the planet. Lang sat alone behind the desk, his hands engaged with some papers that looked like technical reports. He was a big, heavy-shouldered man, his hair grey, his chocolate face middle-aged and tired. He did not rise. Well, he snapped. My name is Arnold Raddick. I'm a news service operator. Here's my card if you wish to see it. Pharaoh had it easy, said Lang in a chill voice. Moses only called the seven plagues down on him. I have to deal with your sort. Raddick placed his fingertips on the desk and leaned forward. He found it unexpectedly hard not to be stared down by the other. I know very well I've laid myself open to a lawsuit by coming in as I did, he stated. Possibly when I'm through, I'll be open to murder. Are you feeling well? There was more contempt and concern in the deep tone. Let me say first off, I believe I have information about a certain project of yours. One you badly want to keep a secret. I've taped a record of my office of what I know and where I'm going. If I don't get back before ten hundred hours, central time, and wipe that tape, it'll be heard by the secretary. Lang took an exasperated breath. His fingernails whitened on the sheets he still held. Do you honestly think we will be so, I won't say unscrupulous, so stupid as to use violence? No, said Raddick. Of course not. All I want is a few straight answers. I know you're quite able to lead me up the garden path, feed me some line of pap, and hustle me out again. But I won't stand for that. I mentioned my tape only to convince you that I'm in earnest. You're not drunk, murmured Lang, but there are a lot of people running loose who ought to be in a mental hospital. I know, Raddock sat down without waiting for an invitation. Anti-scientific fanatics. I'm not one of them. You know Daryl Burkhart's news commentaries. I supply a lot of his data and interpretations. He's one of the leading friends of genuine science, one of the few you have left. Radek gestured at the card on the desk. Read it, right there. Lang picked the card up and glanced at the lettering and tossed it back. Very well. There's still no excuse for breaking in like this. You it can't wait, interrupted Radek. There are a lot of lives at stake. Every minute we sit here, there are perhaps a million people dying, perhaps more, I haven't the figure. And everyone else is dying all the time, millimetre by millimetre. We're all born dying. Every minute you hold back the cure for old age, you murder a million human beings. This is the most fantastic. Let me finish. I get around. And I'm trained to look a little bit more closely at the facts everybody knows. The ordinary commonplace facts we take for granted and never think to inquire about because they're so ordinary. I've wondered about the Institute for a long time. Tonight I talked at great length with a fellow named Barwell. Remember him? A clerk here. You fired him this morning for being too nosy. He had a lot to say. Hmm. Lang sat quiet for a while. He didn't rattle easily. He couldn't be snowed under by fast, aggressive talk. While Raddick spat out what clues he had, Lang calmly reached into a drawer and got out an old-fashioned briar pipe, stuffed it, and lit it. So what do you want? he asked when Raddick paused for breath. The truth, damn it! There were privacy laws. It was established long ago that a citizen is entitled to privacy if he does nothing against the common weal. And you are! You're like a man who stands on a riverbank and has a lifebelt and won't throw it to a man drowning in the river. 
Lang sighed. I won't deny we're working on longevity, he answered. Obviously we are. The problem interests biologists throughout the solar system, but we aren't publicizing our findings as yet for very good reason. You know how people jump to conclusions. Can you imagine the hysteria that would arise in the already unstable culture if there seemed to be even a prospect of immortality? You yourself were a prime case. On the most tenuous basis of rumor and hypothesis, you've decided that we have found a vaccine against old age and are hoarding it. You come bursting in here in the middle of the night, demanding to be made immortal immediately, if not sooner, and you're comparatively civilized. There are enough lunatics who come here with guns and start shooting up the place. Radek smiled bleakly. Course, I know that. And you are to know the outfit I work for is reputable. If you have a good lead on the problem, but haven't solved it yet, you can trust us not to make that fact public. All right. Lang mustered an answering smile, oddly warm and charming. I don't mind telling you then that we do have some promising preliminary results, but, and this is the catch, we estimate it will take at least a century to get anywhere. Biochemistry is an inconceivably complex subject. What sort of results are they? It's highly technical. Has to do with enzymes. You may know that enzymes are the major device through which the genes govern the organism all through life. At a certain point, for instance, the genes order the body to go through the changes involved in puberty. At another point, they order that gradual breakdown we know as aging. In other words, said Radek slowly, the body has a built-in suicide mechanism. Well, if you want to put it that way. I don't believe a word of it. It makes a lot more sense to imagine that there's something which causes the breakdown. A virus, maybe and the body fights it off as long as possible, but at last it gets the upper hand. The whole key to evolution is the need to survive. I can't see life evolving in its own anti-survival factor. But nature doesn't care about the individual friend, Radek, only about the species, and the species with a rapid turnover of individuals can evolve faster, become more effective. Then why does man... The fastest evolving metazoan of all have one of the longest lifespans. He does, you know, among mammals at any rate. Seems to me that our bodies must be all around better than average, better able to fight off the death virus. Fish live a longer time, sure, and maybe in the water they aren't so exposed to the disease. Mayflies are short-lived, have they simply adapted their life cycle to the existence of the virus? Lang frowned. You appear to have studied the subject enough to have some mistaken ideas about it. I can't argue with a man who insists on protecting his cherished irrationalities with fancy verbalisms. And you appear to think fast on your feet, Dr. Lang, Radek laughed. Maybe not fast enough, but I'm not being paranoid about this. You can convince me. How? Show me. Take me into those underground rooms and show me what you actually have. I'm afraid... That's imp- All right, Radek stood up. I hate to do this, but a man must either earn a living or go on the public freeloading roll, which I don't want to do. The facts and conjectures I already have will make an interesting story. Lang rose too, his eyes widening. You can't prove anything. Of course I can't. You're sitting on all the proof. But the public reaction. God in heaven, man, those people can't think. No. They can't, can they? He moved toward the door. 
Good night. Reddick's muscles were taut. In spite of everything that had been said, a person hounded to desperation could still do murder. There was a great quietness as he neared the door. Then Lang spoke. The voice was defeated, and when Raddick looked back, it was an old man who stood behind the desk. You win. Come along with me. He went down an empty hall, after dismissing the guards, and took an elevator below ground. Neither of them said anything. Somehow, the sag of Lang's shoulders was a gnawing in Raddick's consciousness. When they emerged, it was to transfer past a sentry, where Lang gave a password and okayed his companion to another elevator, which purred them still deeper. I, <coughs> the newsman cleared his throat awkwardly, I repeat what I implied earlier. I'm here mostly as a citizen interested in the public welfare, which includes my own, of course, and my family's if I ever have one. If you can show me valid reasons for not breaking the story, I won't. I'll even let you hypno-condition me against doing it, voluntarily or otherwise. Thanks, said the director. His mouth curved upward, but it was a shaken smile. That's decent to you, and we'll accept. I think you'll agree with our policy. What worries me is the rest of the world. If you could find out as much as you did. Radek's heart jumped between his ribs. Then you do have immortality. Yes, but I'm not immortal. None of our personnel are, except... Here we are. There was a hidden susurrus of machinery as they stepped out into a small, bare entry room. Another guard sat there beside a desk. Past him was a small door of immense solidity, the door of a vault. You'll have to leave everything metallic here, said Lang. A steel object could jump so fiercely as to injure you. Your watch would be ruined. Even coins could get uncomfortably hot. Eddy currents, you know. We're about to go through the strongest magnetic field ever generated. Silently, dry-mouthed, Radek piled his things on the desk. Lang operated a combination lock on the door. There are nervous effects, too, he said. The field is actually strong enough to influence the electric discharges of your synapses. Be prepared for a few nasty seconds. Follow me and walk fast. The door opened on a low, narrow corridor several meters long. Radek felt his heart bump crazily, his vision blurred. There was panic screaming in his brain a sweating tingle in his skin. Stumbling through nightmare, he made it to the end. The horror faded. They were in another room, with storage facilities and what resembled the spaceship's airlock in the opposite wall. Lang grinned shakily. No fun, is it? What's it for? gasped Rannick. To keep charged particles out of here, and the whole set of chambers is five hundred meters underground, sheathed in ten meters of lead brick and surrounded by tanks of heavy water. This is the only place in the solar system, I imagine, where cosmic rays never come. You mean... Lang knocked out his pipe and left it on a kaboon. He opened the lockers to reveal a set of airsuits, complete with helmets and oxygen tanks. We put these on before going any further, he said. Infection on the other side? We're the infected one. Come on, I'll help you. As they scrambled into the equipment... Lang added conversationally, This place has to have all its own stuff, of course, its own electric generators and so on. The ultimate power source is isotopically pure carbon burned in oxygen. We use a nuclear reactor to create the magnetic field itself, but no atomic energy is allowed inside it. He led the way into the airlock, closed it, and started the pumps. We have to flush out all the normal air and substitute that 
from the inner chambers. How about food? Barwell said food was prepared in the kitchens and brought here. Synthesized out of elements recovered from waste products. We cook it topside, taking precautions. A few radioactive atoms get in, but not enough to matter as long as we're careful. We're so cramped for space down here, we have to make some compromises. I think... Radek fell silent. As the lock was evacuated, his unjointed airsuit spread-eagled and held him prisoner, but he hardly noticed. There was too much else to think about, too much to grasp at once. Not till the cycle was over, and they had gone through the lock, did he speak again. Then it came harsh and jerky. I begin to understand. How long has this gone on? It started about two hundred years ago. An early institute project. Lang's voice was somehow tinny over the helmet phone. At that time it wasn't possible to make really pure isotopes in quantity, so there were only limited results, but it was enough to justify further research. This particular set of chambers and chemical elements is 150 years old. A spectacular success, a brilliant confirmation from the very beginning, and the Institute has never dared reveal it. Maybe they should have, back then. Maybe people could have taken the news, but not now. These days the knowledge would whip men into a murderous rage of frustration. They wouldn't believe the truth. They wouldn't dare believe, and God alone knows what they'd do. Looking around, Radek saw a large plastic-lined room, filled with cages. As the lights went on, white rats and guinea pigs stirred sleepily. One of the rats came up to nibble at the wires and regard the humans from beady pink eyes. Lang bent over and studied the label. This fellow is uh, sixty-six years old, still fat and sassy, in perfect condition, as you can see. Our oldest mammalian inmate is a guinea pig, a hundred and forty-five years. This one here. Lang stared at the immortal beast for a while. It didn't look unusual, only healthy. How about monkeys? he asked. We tried them, finally gave it up. A monkey is an active animal. It was too cruel to keep them penned up forever. They even went insane, some of them. Footfalls were hollow as Lang led the way toward the inner door. Do you get the idea? Yes, I think I do. If heavy radiation speeds up aging, then natural radioactivity is responsible for normal aging. Quite. A matter of cells being slowly deranged, through decades in the case of man. The genes which govern them being mutilated, chromosomes ripped up, Nucleoplasm and cytoplasm irreversibly damaged, and of course, a mutated cell often puts out the wrong combination of enzymes, and if it regenerates at all, it replaces itself by one of the same kind. The effect is cumulative, more and more defective cells every hour, a steady bombardment all your life, here on Earth, seven cosmic rays per second ripping through you, and you yourself are radioactive. You include radiocarbon and radiopotassium and radiophosphorus, Earth and the plants, the atmosphere, everything radiates. Is it any wonder that at last our organic mechanism starts breaking down? The marvel is that we live as long as we do. The dry voice was somehow steadying. Radek asked, And this place is insulated? Yes. The original plant and animal life in here was grown exogenetically from single-cell zygotes, supplied with air and nourishment built from pure, stable isotopes. The Institute had to start with low forms, naturally. At that time it wasn't possible to synthesize proteins to order, but soon our workers had enough of an ecology to introduce higher species, eventually mammals. 
Even the first generation was only negligibly radioactive. Succeeding generations have been kept almost absolutely clean. The lamps supply ultraviolet, the air is recycled, while in principle it's no different from an ecological unit spaceship. Radek shook his head. He could scarcely get the words out. People? Humans? For the past 120 years, it wasn't hard to get germplasm and grow it. The first generation reproduced normally, the second could if lack of space didn't force us to load their food with chemical contraceptives. Behind his faceplate, Lang grimaced. I'd never have allowed it if it had been director at the time, but now I'm stuck with the situation. The legality is very doubtful. How badly do you violate a man's civil rights when you keep him a prisoner, but give him immortality? He opened the door, an archaic manual type. We can't do better than them than this, he said. The volume of space we can enclose in a magnetic field of the necessary strength is already at an absolute maximum. Light sprang automatically from the ceiling. Radek looked in at a dormitory. It was well kept, the furniture ornamental. Beyond it, he could see other rooms. Recreation, he supposed, vaguely. The score of hulks in the beds hardly moved. Only one woke up. He blinked, yawned, and shuffled toward the visitors, quite nude. His long hair tangled across the low forehead, a loose grin on the mouth. Hello, Bill, said Lang. Mm, got some? Got something for Bill? A hand reached out, begging. Radek thought of a trained ape he had once seen. This is Bill, Lang spoke softly, as if afraid his voice would snap. Our oldest inhabitant, one hundred and nineteen years old, and he has a physique of a man of twenty. Their mature, you know, reach their peak, and never fall below it again. Got something, Doc, huh? I'm sorry, Bill, said Lang. I'll bring you some candy next time. The moron gave an animal sigh and shambled back. On the way he passed a sleeping woman and edged toward her with a grunt. Lang closed the door. There was another stillness. Well, said Lang, now you've seen it. You mean, you don't mean immortality makes you like that? Oh, no, not at all. But my predecessors chose low-grade stock on purpose. Remember those monkeys. How long do you think a normal human could remain sane? cooped up in a little cave like this, and never daring to leave it. That's the only way to be immortal, you know. And how much of the race could be given such elaborate care, even if they could stand it? Only a small percentage. Nor would they live forever. They were already contaminated. They were born radioactive. And whatever happens, who's going to remain outside and keep the apparatus in order? Radek nodded. His neck felt stiff, and within the airsuit he stank with sweat. I've got the idea. And yet, if the facts were known, if my questions had to be answered, how long do you think a society like ours would survive? Radek tried to speak, but his tongue was too dry. Lang smiled grimly. Apparently I've convinced you. Good. Fine. Suddenly his gloved hand shut out and gripped Radek's shoulder. Even through the heavy fabric, the newsman could feel the bruising fury of that clasp. And you're only one man whispered Lang, an unusually reasonable man for these days. There'll be others. What are we going to do?